We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 84 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rampian Crew patron supporters. Thank you. My name is Bethany. I will be your host for this episode. Today, we're going to welcome back Barbara from Badass Literature Podcast. <laughs> Whose other hosts could not be here because they need to finish reading. <laughs> I know. I, I gave them so much crap for that. I'm like, you guys need to finish. They're both still reading Scarlet. I'm like, okay, new goal. Let's finish Crass in Winter. So hopefully we can all feature on the next time. <laughs> yes, that would be great. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll come back when you finish Scarlet on your podcast too. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I know you've come on the podcast before, but let's go ahead and talk about Badass Literature Podcast. Tell everybody what it's about and maybe where they can find it. Sure. So uh, like you said, I am Barbara and I am one of three co-hosts of the Badass Literature Society podcast. Um, Pretty much we just read and review a wide range of books recommended by our listeners, um, and we split our podcast up into two sections. The first part is a spoiler-free review of the book, while the second one is a more in-depth, spoiler-heavy section, just in case you want to, you know, check out the book and see our opinions first before you actually get to reading it. So, and then you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts and uh, Instagram, um, and it's at Badass Lit Pod. So, yay! And I was on an episode, and it was super fun. Yes, it was so fun to get like such an in-depth view of uh, Cinder for that, since you have all the knowledge. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> I do, I'm definitely human. There are mistakes I have made, but uh, I do my best. So today, eventually, we're going to talk about chapters 36 and 37. <laughs> First, what are you currently reading, either for yourself or the podcast? Yeah, I tend to try to read two books. Um, So I read the first one I'm currently reading is for our upcoming podcast episode, and it's called The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. Um, And I really like it so far. Um, It's just interesting the way Neil Gaiman writes, if you've ever read any of his other books. Um, and then I'm actually reading, uh, finishing, trying to finish up Winter, and I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about that, too, because I love Winter. Yeah. So I'm currently reading Howl's Moving Castle, because I'm going to do a bonus episode on it for the podcast. Ah, oh, I've seen the movie. I haven't read the book. Would you recommend I- the book? I really would. Yes, absolutely. And mm-hmm. the movie is also amazing. I love both of them. I have not read the book in a very, very long time. And, you know, I actually haven't seen the movie in a long time either. So mm. I will need to rewatch it as well. <laughs> yeah, I really I think that's the first one that I've read or I've seen of 
Oh, the production company. I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm not even going to try saying it. But I really enjoy all those movies. Yeah, me too. My Neighbor Totoro is probably my favorite. I think mm-hmm. I watched that. I think I watched that about 11 million times when I was a kid. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe more. So first, let's talk about some Fan Art Friday. This is, The first one is from December 18th. It's from Hizomi. And it's Thorn cutting off Cress's hair in the satellite with the with the knife. I love it. I feel like it's such an intimate moment. She captured, or he, she, I don't know, captured it so <laughs> well. You know, because it's, it's, I don't know, like, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this. And, like, her blush, like, Cress is blushy, and it's, like, perfect. Like, this is what I pictured for that, for, like, a cute little romantic scene for them. <laughs> she also looks really nervous, like, mm-hmm. and guarded, you know? I love how artists can show facial expressions because I just, I just, it's so impressive to me. <laughs> I, I find art to be so impressive in general, but I absolutely love when they can show facial expressions. I'm just like, how do you do that? Right. Or even um, like body language, like her body language, like you said, like she seems a bit nervous, you know, yeah, her shoulders are kind of slumped down. Mm-hmm. 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 And like her other, her hand is kind of like, playing on the ground with part of her hair in there and I'm just Mm -hmm. like those little subtle things that you notice in art is just it really brings that image together I love it and this next one is from Cosmic Nova Flare it is also of Cress looking kind of (laughs) wistful with her hair still long in her satellite and Cosmic Nova Flare one of my absolute favorite fan artists I adore her and she's been so nice to let me share pretty much anything I've asked for at this point mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which I appreciate as well because I not everybody wants you to share their work and I respect that so mm-hmm. I get really excited when I ask and they're like oh sure I'm like yes <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> but I love this I absolutely love how um just blue everything is yeah. I was going to say that the shading and everything's done very, very well. I'm it's almost just glowing. Always, yeah. Always just very impressed how they do all that, you know? Like, even if I were to mo- remotely try drawing this, like, and then there's the coloring aspect of it that you have to think about that, that goes into all this. And I really like how she did her hair in this particular piece. Like, the depth of the hair and it kind of makes it look like it's more curly. And I'm all about that curl life since I've got curly hair. (laughs) Same girl. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to see curly hair represented (laughs) since everyone seems to have stick straight hair and everything. So (laughs) hence why all through high school, I murdered my poor Mm -hmm. hair by straightening it. it, Which I really, I I never, I don't know why I even bothered. It was always like wavy by the end of the day. Anyhow, same here. My <laughs> hair would not stay straight. Like if I straightened it in the morning by like mid afternoon, it was already curly, and I'm like, ugh. Yep, I remember like when my husband and I first started like dating, dating. Mm-hmm. There would be times where he would like we went somewhere once. And I had packed, like, a pick and this, like, wide tooth comb. And um, <laughs> I packed all this stuff for my hair, of course. Because you can't just, like, you have to be nice to your curly hair. It will mm-hmm. rebel against you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and I remember he was, like, looking for a brush for his hair. And I was like, I don't have a brush. 
<laughs> what is this why brush? Would I, why would I have a brush? That's going to ruin my hair. Exactly. You know what's going to happen if I brush my hair? <laughs> that's what people don't. That's what I hate seeing in movies when girls with curly hair like brush their hair after the fact. I'm like, no, that's not a thing. You would look like no. Hermione's hair. Like that's like you would have the bushiest of hairs if you brushed <laughs> it like that. That's not how curly hair works. The only time you can brush it is if it's already wet. Wet. Exactly. Yup. And otherwise, just be kind to your hair. <laughs> yes. Save yourself the trouble. If you're going to brush it dry, <laughs> you might as well grab a scrunchie. Yep. Put it up. <laughs> yep. And I say scrunchie because, yes, I prefer scrunchies. I don't care if it's not 1984. I have very thick curly hair. Scrunchies are nicer. Those are making a comeback, so I think you're perfectly in style right now. <laughs> I love scrunchies. <laughs> Hello, puppy. Yes. I'm waiting for father to get off work so they can leave. <laughs> You're so funny. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing where I'm like, where the hell is your dad? He knows I'm recording. <laughs> yeah. Just a few more minutes, huh, guys? Let's try to be quiet. <laughs> so last week, Patreon members voted for chapter titles. Chapter 35 of Crest is Someone to Fall Back On by I Can't Go On, I'll Go On. Which I'm really excited about because I love that song and it's very underrated. <laughs> most people have never seen the movie Band Slam. <laughs> uh, I feel like I have seen that. It's Disney. Like, yeah, it's like a teen off. It's yeah. got it's got Allison Mashaka and Vanessa Hudgens and Lisa Kudrow. So that's it. We're going to discuss chapter 36 first. We're in for a wild ride today. Last mm-hmm. week. We left off with Cinder finding out that Jacin is actually protecting Princess Winter, the queen's stepdaughter. He does not know or care that Cinder is Celine. And uh, <laughs> we're hoping that Wolf will wake up. We're, we start off in Cress's perspective. Now, we last saw her in a car <laughs> on her way to, to Farafra, kidnapped by Gina and her goons. Oof. Oof. So she's still captured. She's en route to... We know they're going to Farafra because we read last week's chapter, but she doesn't know where she's going. Right. She's starting to feel like Thorne's not going to rescue her. She's starting to feel completely hopeless and thinks the absolute worst of him, which I don't blame her. Like, this is a pretty hopeless feeling situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I've never been kidnapped. Uh, and I hope to never be kidnapped, but I can't imagine, like, my imagination would, would definitely run wild. Yeah, I would, it was, it would definitely be, yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> everything you said. Yeah. It's like, it's like one of those worst fears come to life kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Especially as a, a, a female. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I don't want I to like, think I'm being too. sexist, but like as a female, you are constantly aware of your oh, surroundings. 100%. And people are constantly, you spend like your whole childhood being warned about mm-hmm. men. So, yep. Like just yeah. when we were traveling back home, like we drove uh, for trying to be, you know, cautious and stuff like that. And we drove through the night and we stopped at a rest stop and my boyfriend, you know, went to the bathroom first um, and then came out and then I went in there and like the first thing I did was I checked all the stalls to make sure there yep. wasn't some dude hiding in there or I shouldn't just say dude, someone 
hiding in there. And then like the whole time I was washing my hand, I kept looking back to make sure no one was like creepily walking in. And like, I told him all this when I came in, he was like, Oh, like that's a little intense. So I was like, as a female, like, I feel like you, that's the first thought you have. You have to yep. be constantly aware of your surroundings when you're doing anything at nighttime or early morning or just in general, when you're by yourself. Absolutely. hundred mm-hmm. percent. My husband and I have had similar conversations, but, like, we've been together long enough now that he actually gets nervous for me. So, like, mm-hmm. we go to places like that and he'll stand outside the door, like, just waiting, just making sure I'm okay. Right. I always carry mace. I always have something. Yep. In my purse. Yep. <laughs> and we have a we have mace in the house, too. Like, my husband has mace. There's a giant can of mace next to the bed because you never know. Yep. You know? And, you know, I... I like to think of myself like as not paranoid, but just cautious, but Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be cautious. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I would rather be cautious than, I don't know, overly trusting, I guess. Yeah. Same here. So. Yeah. (laughs) So she's trying to fantasize about getting rescued and, and years on her satellite, but it's growing feeble. Because she's not a warrior, brave and strong, and ready to defend justice. She was not the most beautiful girl in the land, able to evoke empathy and respect from even the most hard-hearted villain. She was not even a damsel, knowing that her hero would someday rescue her. Oh, Chris! (laughs) Uh, I feel like Chris is me. I feel like she's just so, like... (laughs) Over not over dramatic because I don't think I'm over dramatic. <laughs> oh, I definitely am over dramatic. Uh, very but- transparent about that. <laughs> well, I blame uh, I blame the fact that I read nothing but Meg Cabot all through high school. Same and pretty here. much Pretty much every Princess Diaries book starts with "My life is over." Mm-hmm. So <laughs> of course I turned out to be a dramatic adult as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, I love it because, like, even when she imagines, like, what will happen to her, she still finds a way to be, like, really imaginative. And that's, I I like that. I feel that Cress is the most imaginative one of the three heroines that we've met so far. Um, And I can relate to that because I feel like people who read a lot, um, or in her case, maybe since she watches a lot of her, like, videos and stuff like that, um... I, th- I think that's where she gets it. Cause I sometimes like picture myself when things are going like all over the place. I just like imagine some new scenario in my head. I'm like, yes, this is how it should be going. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember fantasizing a lot when I was younger and, you know, even as an adult, especially as a writer, like I, I writing is fantasizing, mm-hmm. you're fantasizing about this a world and it, the characters in it and the stories they're going on. And the only thing that makes it socially acceptable is that I can say I'm making a book. So it's counts. Right. It's like <laughs> creative <laughs> development or something, <laughs> especially yeah. if someone ends up buying said book that I'm like, see, it had a purpose. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's crest and I can relate to that as her. Cause I, I feel like I do that a lot and you know, day to day, like you said, like I'm just, you know, I was like, oh, yes, I'm a writer. That's why I'm imagining all these scenarios. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have said before that Cress is kind of my spirit animal because I love 
like the mushy gushy romance stuff. I'm such a hopeless <laughs> romantic. Of course, my husband is supposed to be my knight in shining armor at all times. <laughs> Duh. Of course, we're supposed to have this epic whirlwind romance. <laughs> Everyone should be my friend because I'm socially awkward and I want people to like me. <laughs> and that's what we've read. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> as book nerds, that's what we've read. So we expect the same. <laughs> exactly. And I think the only thing that separates us is that I'm not a hacker. Right. <laughs> so but I mean I- otherwise I'm really short. I have curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine's like dark brown, but I dyed it blonde so I could play her in cosplay. So, uh, did you right re- now, recently I, do that? I did recently dye nice. it blonde. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not not true, <laughs> as Taylor would say. So instead, she starts to worry about her future. Will she be a slave, a servant, a feast for, for cannibals? cannibals? I love that human sacrifice. <laughs> Returned to the queen, tortured. And again, I kind of relate because my brain also is like, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? Let's obsess over right. the worst possible outcome instead of trying to stay upbeat and positive. <laughs> like she hasn't been on Earth long and yet she's thinking like cannibals. Like she's going to be eaten cannibals. That's definitely going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and again, it makes me think of I love to draw the comparisons with Tangled, the Disney movie, because again, it makes me think of like cannibals and snakes, the plague. Like, and when she's (laughs) so, yeah, I I know this isn't necessarily a funny moment in the in the story, but sometimes you have to find the humor, or you're Mm -hmm. never going to make through these books. Exactly. Yeah. And and everybody who's listening, if you haven't read Heartless yet, you really need to find the humor before we get there because that's a doozy. I've heard um, that. I'm excited to read that next. I think that'll be ooh, that what one I read is, next. Tissues and a bottle of wine is what I will tell you, my friend. Really? Yep. It is It is a rough one, but it is amazingly well-written, and it's a phenomenal story. Mm-hmm. And you have, like, three years before we get to it on the podcast. So, I mean, <laughs> I plenty of time. time. <laughs> If you haven't read it in three years, I might text you and be like, hey, remember when we were giving your boyfriend and his sister a hard time about right? it? Well, you've had three years. <laughs> and I would agree with you. <laughs> and if you don't, I'm going to play back this episode. <laughs> you got your receipts, like Taylor said? You got your receipts? Yes, I got my receipts. <laughs> So it's late on the second day when the van stops. I have to talk about the logistics of this. It's supposed to be 300 kilometers away, which is about 187 miles. They are going like hella slow. Mm-hmm. I'm so like, glad you did the math because I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I, they're going like 20 miles an hour. Like my, a horse is going to go faster. A camel <laughs> is going to go faster. Like, no wonder they use the camels because holy crap. Like I cannot imagine driving that slow. The, the roads must be awful, right? Like I think that's what they said. I, I would assume that the roads are just absolutely dreadful. And and that's why it's taking so long. Because I, I legit can't think of why else it would take a day and a half to get 187 miles yeah that would i can't imagine 
like you think futuristically you'd be able to travel much quicker than that, but maybe <laughs> in the desert. It, would, it has <laughs> to so be, much. it would have to be the roads because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if for example, we were to travel 187 miles right now on the average highway is 65 miles an hour. I mean, you're looking at like three hours tops. Right. I mean, that's, we, we drove home, you know, and nonstop that was 22 hours. So Ooh. I, like we, I mean, I can't imagine. And I think the average we could do was around 70, 75, depending if you wanted to speed and stuff like that. But I can't mm-hmm. imagine going 20 miles per hour trying to cover just 187 miles. Like, that's ridiculous. And you have to assume that it's, like, not a smooth ride, right? Like, it's, like, bumpity-bumpity mm-hmm. the whole way. So they drag her out and throw her on her knees. She's tied up. They're in a new town. And she sees the Rambian. She gets so excited. I got but so excited, but then... <laughs> I got so excited for her, and then it said, no lady painted on this ship, so it must not be Thorns. And then I, as the reader, I'm like, but it is Thorns. It is. See, this thing happened. <laughs> I know. You I weren't there, to... but I was. <laughs> I'm like, come on, for all the imagination that you can think up and all the stories, you couldn't think up of a theory of why Cinder might have painted over it so it wouldn't be so con- you know, less conspicuous? Come on. Right? It has to, it's very conspicuous. You yourself just looked for the telltale mm-hmm. sign that it was mm-hmm. Thorn's ship. Yeah. <sighs> I was slightly disappointed in her imagination on this part. I was like, come on, Chris, you, you can do better. <laughs> this might be a good indication into her, like, character resolve. Like, it's starting to feel really hopeless now. Yeah. Yeah. So they're in a small, decrepit building. It smells really bad. There's a narrow staircase. It's eerily quiet. Um, This is like something out of a horror movie. She's got goosebumps and she's shivering and fearful. She's trembling so hard she can barely stand. Yeah. I would be absolutely terrified if I were her. And I think I remember the first time reading this like, oh my god. I hope it's the same doctor I think it is. But who else could it possibly be? (laughs) Right. And the smell stuff is always what gets me because I feel like that's such a factor for like horror stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like not in a movie wise, but you yourself experiencing things like I feel like scent is such a strong like memory thing. And so like whenever books mention that, I'm like, ooh. Oh, I love scent. Like there was one where she said um, the mildew and I was, I could smell that mm-hmm. so fast. I was like, I pictured like every Midwest basement ever. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that's a thing. Because <laughs> that's a thing. You know, it's the same as like if someone, you know, if if I think about like going home to Illinois where we grew up, I, I can smell like sweet corn and the disgusting smell of the soybean factory. But it's like that's that's home. So yeah. we can always tell when we're finally getting close to home when we're on our long drives, because as soon as you smell ADM, you're like, gross. Almost there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that stinks, but it means that we're almost home. <clears throat> See? It's just the memory thing. It's the scent is very strong. So yeah, just it is. And and everybody has like their own scent. Like my Aunt Robin's house has smelled the same my whole life. And so it's like one of the most comforting things in the world mm-hmm. to go to her house. Like I desperately I, I I think my husband thinks I'm insane, but like I walk in and I just take in like a big breath and I'm like, oh, this is so comforting. 
Right. Whenever I would fly back home to Brazil, like Brazil has a very distinct smell to it, especially, I mean, depending on like what city too, but like my grandma's city, like traveling back and then opening up my luggage, like that scent from her house was just like hit me and it would just remind me back like from Brazil. I'm like, it's crazy. You know, and I love that though. I love that it takes you back. Yeah. Yeah. And I, my parents split up, so I don't have like a a home from my childhood still. My grandparents, um, most of them have died and one of them is in a nursing home. So I don't have like a grandma's house. Like Mm -hmm. my aunt's house is the only house in my life that hasn't changed since before I was born. Like they got married and bought that house and that's the only place they've ever lived for the last like 40 years. Right. I, I just absolutely love it. And I remember going there every summer when I was a kid. And so, yeah, as an adult, like getting walking into their house and breathing in that smell, it's just like, I don't know. There's just something so incredibly comforting about mm-hmm. it. Yep. And then people listening are like, okay, Bethany, can we get back to the story now? Nobody cares that your aunt's house smells really nice. Get back I'm to the book. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. My aunt's house smells really good. <laughs> so they keep Chris hidden while they wait for someone to answer the door. Whoever answers the door knows Gina. And she says she brought him another test subject. She found her wandering the desert. Hmm, Again, it's not not true. They did find them wandering the desert. You know. It's a half half a truth. It's a half a truth, yeah. This man is lunar because he says, oh, she's a shell because he can't sense her. And Uh, I love more poetic imagery for Marissa. She flinched away wanting to curl up until she was no larger than a grain of sand until she blew away into the desert and disappeared. Yeah. I especially enjoyed that just because we were just with Crass and Thorn in the desert. So you can picture that just perfectly because you were in that setting, you know, a few chapters back when they were walking through. So I feel like that's really cool to picture and very vivid, at least for me it was. Absolutely. I love, love, love getting to have these moments with the poetic imagery with Cress, especially because Cress, I think Cress is a writer. Mm-hmm. 100% I agree with Cress you. Cress is that. a writer. She just hasn't published a book yet. And <laughs> I 100% will buy it when she does publish. Or maybe she writes like Grey's Anatomy episodes or something. Like, I'm totally She's- down, girl. Secretly, <laughs> Shonda Rhimes is like a head writer with her. <laughs> She's like her protege. (laughs) So she comes face to face with a man that's well into his years. Literally. And they actually are face to face (laughs) because he's barely taller than her. I love that. I always forget how short he is until someone reminds me of it. And I'm like, oh, that's right. (laughs) No, I'm relatively short. I'm five, one and a quarter. So it's not, uh, it's not uncommon for me to be the shortest person in the room, you know? <laughs> and it's very rare that I meet a man that's the same height as me or shorter, and that man is not, like, you know, seven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Off the top of my head, I can't actually think of anybody. Yeah, I don't think I can think of anyone that's, like, I think 
five seven might be like the shortest I've met a guy. Which is considered short for a guy, which is sad. It if is. You think about it is. It. I mean, I my husband is like over six feet tall, so you know. But in my defense, he was only 5'10 when I met him. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to jump up after high school. You know. But, um, yeah, I'm often the shortest person in the room. So I I totally get the thing of, like, oh, you're shorter or you're the same height. Like, Ashley, when Ashley and I first met, because she's five foot even. So I actually am taller than her. And I, like, maybe an hour into knowing her, I was like, I'm not going to lie. I feel like a full-grown adult right now. And she was like, oh, I'm so happy for you. I never get to feel that way. So I'm, like, really excited that I get to make someone else who's short feel tall. Like there was one day she was wearing heels and I never wear heels and she like walked in and she's like, look, I'm the tall one today. <laughs> she's only like an inch shorter than me, but it's enough for us little people. Okay. Right. Uh, I get it. I'm not that short, but my sister and my mom are. So I, I can <clears throat> relate because they're always telling me all their stories about being short. <laughs> yep. I, well, for example, my husband gives me a hard time because people are always helping me in grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> people are always like, oh, I'll grab that for you. Because if I even remotely like have to reach, like if, it, if it's even remotely above like the second or third shelf, I'm on my tippy toes, okay? <laughs> That's funny. And my husband is like, no one ever offers to like squat down and get short stuff for me. And I was like, oh, you poor, poor man. <laughs> That no one walks around the grocery store going, let me squat so that I hurt my knees and not yours, as opposed to a tall person being able to reach something they can already reach. Exactly. They're not going out of their ways. (laughs) Like, be happy he's tall. Okay, let's not complain. (laughs) Right? Right? Like, I'm over here jumping on counters to get to stuff, okay? (laughs) I've definitely used a cereal box to pull something down from a cabinet before. Right? Or other, I've used that, like, I mean, I'm 5'5", so I'm considered average, I guess. But I still struggle sometimes to reach stuff, and I definitely use other items to, like, knock things down for myself. Yep. My uh, my sister Lindsay is five eleven, and she and I, when we were roommates, when we were living together, like all the time, she would walk in, and I'm like standing on my tiptoes on the counter trying to reach something on one of the back shelves, and she's just like grabs it, like not <laughs> no even problem. tiptoeing or anything, just like oh here you go, and it's like <sighs> it's so embarrassing. <laughs> but poor Chris, she's not really worried about that right now. She does have a strange, bizarre sense of deja vu when she sees him. And he says she's definitely a shell and a phantom, it seems. Love that. Heck of a shock for him, I bet. It's, like, interesting. Like, what makes her a phantom? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As reader privilege, you should know. (laughs) Right, but like, but it's interesting to think of that kind of stuff sometimes, I think, because we are a spoiler-free podcast, so we don't know anything. We don't know why he thinks of her as a phantom. Um, and so, you know, getting to – that's one of the main reasons I wanted to include these two chapters in the same episode. Makes sense. So- I was like, okay, if I do it this way, then it, I won't technically be a spoiler because we're talking about it in this episode. Right. <laughs> 
But can you can you imagine how he's feeling right now? I mean, I would also be like, well, I am losing my mind and seeing things. Yeah, I you know, it's interesting because this is one of those moments where I wish we would have had a chapter of his perspective of the same chapter of like mm-hmm. this, just to kind of see what's going through his head because it's just like so in- I'm sure it's 10 times worse for him like to see this. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's, I can't imagine. I honestly, I can't imagine. I am adopted. I don't know my birth father. I don't care to. Hmm. I'm 30. He had plenty of time to try to find me and get to know me. He never cared. Why should I kind of thing? Right. So like, if I saw him right now, I probably wouldn't know him. And I highly doubt he would be able to look at me and be like, oh yeah, that's my long lost daughter. Yeah. But I, it's one of those strange things where it's like, well, what if he could? Mm-hmm. Do you think you you would have that sense of deja vu just because of, like, seeing someone that kind of looks like you? Is Do you think? I don't know. Because I don't know if I look like him. Oh, that's true, I guess. I have been told my whole life that I look exactly like my mom. Oh, okay. There are pictures of me when I was younger and my birth mom when she was younger. And, like, it's, it's, it's pretty eerie. Um... They're definitely, like, we used to have this game where it would be, like, holding, you would hold up a picture and it'd be like, okay, is this Desiree or Bethany? <laughs> and even my husband has gotten it wrong sometimes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because it's it's kind of hard to tell, you know? We just, mm-hmm. we look very similar. The The main difference is that her skin is darker than mine. Okay. Um, and that her hair is curlier than mine. That's it, kids. <laughs> Oh, and she's a full-grown adult. She's like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, oh, so you didn't get the height. <laughs> no. 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 Never never got to be a, a, a tall person like everyone else in my family. But, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, obviously, Crest doesn't really recognize him. She just has, like, a weird sense of deja vu. And then later in the chapter, she connects her deja vu with seeing him on the net screens because he helped cinder escape and he's just as wanted she he's a wanted criminal like cinder is so maybe her deja vu is only having seen his picture on the the net feed maybe it's Mm -hmm. not even a like biological recognition or something right i don't know anyone listening if you've ever met a long lost relative share your story i'm very curious Right. This is one of those interesting things I would love to pick someone's brain about, for sure. Right. I kind of had the opposite experience. Like, I know finding out I was adopted, it was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, because my sisters are tall and I'm not, and they have... They have big, thick lips and a big nose and these these ridiculously long, thick eyelashes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't have any of that. I'm the only one that has lots of freckles. I'm the only one that has dark skin and dark hair. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one that has curly hair. I'm the only one that's like didn't grow past the average height of a normal adult person. <laughs> like, and then like, and you look at pictures of us with our dad, and they have like his face. Mm-hmm. Like they just have his face, but I was always like, "Oh, it's just because I look like my mom," you know. But like, as a thirty-year-old adult with all the with all the knowledge that I have now, I'm like, "Okay, we were all kind of blind to not realize that I was adopted." 
Right. <laughs> you know, like my sisters and I have talked about it before where like, and my dad makes jokes about it now because every once in a while we'll meet like a new person that knows he has an adopted daughter and he'll mm-hmm. just be like, okay, okay, wait, guess which one's adopted. And it's like, oh, is it the only one that doesn't look exactly like you and isn't five foot 10? Like, right. <laughs> he obviously like, had strong I, genes. So, right. <laughs> like, so I could kind of get where it would be the opposite where I kind of have come to like a, a set, a, a sort of sense of like, how did I not put two and two together? But yeah, I don't know. Anyone who's met a long lost relative, share your story. I would like to know if there is a strange sense of deja vu or if it was just, huh? Right. And I would also like to partake in that conversation. So yeah. <laughs> PrinceKaiFanPod at gmail.com. <laughs> pause type up your email and then come back (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to think of like i've ever even had a sense of deja vu with like just from looking at a human i know when i was a kid when we lived in illinois we went to the illinois state fair with my uncle kevin my uncle kevin lived in san diego california so he was visiting us Mm -hmm. and i remember he got arrested while we were at the fair because he looked like a missing person's uh, report uh-huh. and so they like showed us the picture of the person on the report and we were like okay that definitely looks like him but for real he didn't go missing two days ago in Champaign Illinois like he just got here a week ago from San Diego California <laughs> right <laughs> so I, I know that there's like that whole doppelganger mm-hmm. thing I think if I saw someone who looked like me I'd be like whoa but I don't I don't know yeah, I haven't had that experience yet. Like, I'm wishing I could find my doppelganger because I feel like it would be kind of a deja vu type thing, like a like double take, like what, like a like sister sister. Yeah, oh, love God, that I show. love that TV show where they're like <laughs> at the mall and it's just like that girl has my face. Yep, such a good <laughs> such a good TV show. God, I love sister sister. Everyone, go watch sister sister. <laughs> I believe it's streaming on Disney Plus. <laughs> me (laughs) (laughs) so gina wants thirty-two thousand univs for her again i have to ask where is dr airlong getting this kind of money yeah i mean that was my question too like did this come that's a year's salary you guys yeah like thirty-two thousand dollars oh my god i just like that was my questioning too. Like, what? Obviously, this isn't his first transaction with her. I mean, I'm assuming here. So, right. Like, where is he getting this money? Do you think like he funneled it from his lunar days, or did he secretly have an account when he was working at the palace that no one knew about? Like, I don't know. Maybe I should write it down as one of my questions for the next time Marissa comes on. That that would be interesting. I would definitely want to know that. How did Doctor E <laughs> get <afford> his money? <laughs> thousands of dollars for shell trafficking. <laughs> Need to know. <laughs> this is a question that will haunt us for the rest of our lives. This is the stock question. Marissa is going to think we're weird. Um, <laughs> Cress is trying to distract herself from her panic, so she looks around. She tries to absorb her surroundings, and 
oh my god, the first thing she sees is blankets clotted with blood. Well, that's not helping. Right? It's like... That is so not helping. Straight from the horrors movies and stuff that she was, you know, imagining something happening to her. Like, you know, you you see blood all over the place. Probably not a good thing. Probably not a good thing. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Um, and then she sees a net screen and she gets all excited because she could come for help. She could contact the last hotel in Kufra. She could tell Thorne. And um, now we get, a, we get a little finagling because the doctor says, I'll give you 25,000 units. And Gina threatens to take her to the police instead for only 1,500 units. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to call I'm going to call bullshit on that one, Gina. Yeah, as as did the doctor earlier, because he's like, mm, <laughs> really? He's like, yeah, you're going to sacrifice that much just for your pride? Okay, you'll take it and you'll be happy about it. Right. <laughs> but instead, Gina says, my pride and to know that one less lunar is walking around on my planet. Ouch. Again, Gina went from helpful stranger to crazy lunar trafficking nightmare in like two seconds. Yeah. This yeah. one can't trust strangers. I wish we lived in a world where you could, but yeah. This, this is like Canada. <laughs> what we were talking about earlier about like being aware of your surroundings and not trusting strangers. And- right. Yeah. You'll just run into a Gina who's gonna sell you off to some weird doctor. When my sisters were young, I took them, because I'm, I'm five years older than them, mm-hmm. I took them to Wisconsin Dells, which was like an eight-hour drive from our house, from my apartment, and on the way back, we got a flat tire, Ooh. and I went to change the tire, and there was, there I couldn't figure it out, and um, this like car stopped by, this truck stopped by, and a guy got out mm-hmm. to like help us. And I was just, like, so grateful, and he helped us, and it was fine, and we went back on our way. And 30-year-old me is like, you should have gotten the car, <laughs> locked the doors. Like, you don't just be like, yes, strange man on the side of the highway, thank you for helping. But, like, <laughs> we grew up in a farm area, and so it was just like, oh, yeah, this farmer's going to help us. And right. Just I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, yeah, we're Mike's daughters. And he was like, oh, I know, Mike, I'll help you, and then we can call your dad and all this other stuff. And because when you live in a town of 7,000 people, everybody knows everybody, trust me. Right. So, <laughs> but I, I, as an adult, I'm like, woo, that was uh, two seconds away from being an episode of Law & Order is what that was. <laughs> so Cress feels this um, moment when Gina is sneering and she says, for the first time it occurred to Cress that Gina might truly hate her. For no other reason than her ancestry. Yeah, I feel like that kind of resonates, you know, with current situation and then me not being, you know, technically from Brazil and stuff like that. Like that just kind of resonated with me, just having someone hate you for the color of your skin, essentially. Yeah. So... Yeah. And I, I I think being Jewish, like I've just always had that like mindset because Right, that chip on your shoulder. Historically speaking, people just do not like us. Yeah. 
even now when when I mention that word, you can see people's face kind of cringe a little bit. And it's like, yeah, okay, go ahead, bring up the Holocaust. Not like I've never heard of it before. Right. <laughs> That's the first thing anybody wants to talk about if they hear the word Jewish. And I don't know why. <laughs> I guess because that's the only thing they know, right? Uh, Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, you hear Jewish, you think Holocaust. Why? Well, thanks school. Schooling for that. Yeah. Because they want to make sure it never happens again. So thank you for that, I guess. You know? (laughs) I mean, I'm just as negative, I guess, because, like, I hear Brazil and I think of, like, coffee. You're not the only one. I know, but I'm saying, like, I don't think I'm any better. Like, we have word association that we think of. Like, I hear Trinidadian, and I think of my brother-in-law because he's Trinidadian. And I yeah. hear ginger, and I think of my husband because he's a ginger. You know, <laughs> like, we ha- we all have, like, word association in our head. Yeah. Maybe now when I hear Brazil, I'll think of my friend Barbara. Yeah, see, there you go. And I, when I think of Jewish, I won't think of the Holocaust for you. <laughs> Thank you. You can think of me and how I am also like Chris uh, (laughs) and how you and I could just watch net dramas all day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I know my husband and I didn't go anywhere for Thanksgiving because the military is like, yeah, no, please don't travel. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So like the families were all calling to see how we were doing. And I was like, what did you guys do? And it was like, uh, spent all day in our pajamas eating junk food and watching TV. It was great. That sounded amazing. That's my cup day. <laughs> and his parents are like a little bit more old fashioned than my parents. My parents would definitely like, like my dad and my bonus mom, they're definitely the type of people to not get dressed all day. But like my in-laws are the type of people that get dressed even if they know they're not leaving the house. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely not like, me. They still wear nice outfits even if they're never going to leave the house that day. <laughs> yeah. So, like, to them, it's, like, the ultimate lays to not get dressed all day. (laughs) It's, like, I brushed my hair and stuff, but, you know. Right. I look presentable (laughs) for the homes. I look, I'm I'm okay. You know, like, my hair, I I took a shower and everything. Like, I'm not gross. I just, you know, (laughs) brushed my teeth. I'm... I'm a full member of society. I just also watched, we binge watched My Hero Academia because I was like a season behind. Nice. I'm not now, woohoo. Please come out season four. I'm very impatient. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we just ate food all day. It was great. <laughs> I loved it personally. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to doing that on Christmas. That's normally when I do that. Yep, we'll probably do that for Christmas, too. We'll open presents and then spend all day just chilling. Mm-hmm. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. It's amazing. Nope. So what you have to look forward to when you get married, kiddos, or when you have <laughs> your, when you meet your partner, you just can be like, hey, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I swear, sometimes there's nothing more romantic than my husband being like, hey, do you want to have like a lazy day? And I'm just like, oh. I love you so much. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's how you know you've had a long relationship when you can do that and you'd be excited. Right? Like, let's her. have cereal for dinner and call it good. <laughs> <laughs> so Gina calls the doctor, doctor, and Cress gulps and goes, doctor? 
<laughs> this man in no way resembled the finely polished men and women in the net dramas with their crisp white coats and advanced technology. Somehow, the title served to make her more weary as visions of scalpels and syringes slashed through her mind. Uh, yeah, because now it's not, like, helpful doctor. It's, like, scary doctor that, like, does creepy experiments. Yep. And uh, thanks for her net drama imagination. That's what she pictured. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty much. So they agree on 27,000 units, which, okay, so here's the thing. They offered Thorn 20,000 units, which means if they had, quote, bought her from Thorn, they would have only made 7,000 units. Mm-hmm. That's not very much in comparison to 20. Right. 20,000, you can buy a car. Right. They're not very good business people here. No. I also, I also wonder if they had ever actually any intention of giving Thorn anything. Uh, yeah, probably just swindled him. Yeah. Um. Cress thinks that the doctor at least looks ashamed as he should be. (laughs) I love that she entered that. (laughs) Yeah. And she has this moment of resolve where she's like, I'm not going to be another servant. I'm going to, I let Mr. Sybil take advantage of me for far too long. I'm not going to let it happen again. And, uh, she she's kind of filled with this rebellious anger and she kind of lets that fuel her. And then she sees this closet that the doctor has, which is like a miniature science lab with like machines and scanners and drawers and everything. And it's like, this is really making Dr. Erlon look bad. You guys mm-hmm. creepy like a creepy doctor, science, right? Like this is a creepy mini. He's buying young girls for a lot of money. Yeah bloody sheets everywhere he's got like a miniature science lab in a closet in a dingy hotel that smells bad like it is not looking good it's a good thing cinder can't see him right now or their partnership might be over pretty fast yeah like cinder would not be putting up with whatever the heck is going on with his shady business on the side cinder would have so many questions and so many problems yeah yeah So the doctor wants to get a blood sample so that, because he thinks that she'll be more compliant with Gina there. And yes, Cress is so me. She's looking for a weapon. She's looking for an escape path. She's looking for sympathy, maybe. Like, again, this is how I handle situations. Like, I need an escape path. I need a weapon of some kind. I need to know what's going on. Right. There was one time I had been reading the Miss Peregrine series, which is a little spooky, and I took a, right? I Mm -hmm. love them. I'm still two books behind, but they're amazing. So I, um, I was taking a shower and my husband came home like four hours early from work Mm -hmm. and I didn't hear him say anything to the dogs. Like, I didn't hear him go like, hey, guys, how are you? You know how people, if you have dogs, you don't just walk into your house. You say hello to the dogs. Right. Right. Like, I'm not alone in that. I know. I've seen TV shows. (laughs) No, you You can't just walk into the house. You say hello to the dogs. With the baby voice or the little voice that you reserve. Yes. Hey, guys, how are you? I missed you so much. How was your day? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, he didn't do any of that. (laughs) 
And the dogs barked. And so I like immediately blasted the shower onto hot water, grabbed the hose and was just like ready to go. (laughs) I was like, I I don't know who this intruder is, but I'm going to burn their face. (laughs) It was my husband. I just didn't hear anything. I guess my Taylor Swift was too loud or something. (laughs) I mean, as it should be. As it right? <laughs> this would have been right after the Folklore album came out. So, of course, I was just, like, blaring it on repeat for days oh, on it. <laughs> that's what I did, too. And pretending that I had a miserable life because it's that type of an album, you know? I like, know. Where was that album when I was 16? Right? <laughs> In all our emo self. <laughs> I needed that album so bad when I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> like I loved all the memes that came out. It's like me pretending I'm in an awful relationship and really I'm in a stable relationship, so I can compare myself to folklore. <laughs> like the the uh, memes that was like Taylor Swift in her in a Taylor Swift when she's in a bad relationship writes amazing breakup songs. Taylor Swift in a successful relationship for five years writes the perfect breakup album. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> But I just, I felt so connected to Cress when she was like looking for a weapon, looking for an escape path. I was like, yes, this is me. I am so desperately like, how do I get out of here? Cress mm-hmm. starts to freak out. There's no sympathy behind his eyes. And he's got this needle. She starts to back away and says, please, please leave me alone. She sees a mixture of emotion on his face. But that's it. Yeah. I feel like at this point, like the way she described it, it sounded like to me like he was trying not to cry. I think so. You know, like that's like when I think of someone trying to hold back the tears or that type of an emotion, like that's how it, like that's what it looks like to me, the way she described that. And I'm like, oh, it breaks my heart for both of them. I agree because also we as a reader can try to think of like, well, maybe the doctor doesn't want to be too nice in front of Gina and the goons, like doesn't want to let his guard down too much. Maybe he has a reputation to uphold with them, you know? Right. But it it is really, it is really heartbreaking. Right. Uh, Or like you were saying, maybe he also didn't want to show too much emotion because then they're like, oh, he cares for this person or maybe we could have gotten more money off of him. More money for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And And she has this like, she realizes that there was pity in him and he was trying to disguise it. And so she, she reacts to the pity in him. She reaches out to the humanity in him. Please let me go. I'm just a shell and I'm stranded here on earth and I haven't done anything to anyone. I'm nobody. I'm nobody. Please just let me go. Oh, baby girl. I know. I hate that she says that she's nobody and that she's a shell because like her whole life she's believed shells are nobodies and that hurts. Like that breaks my heart that she thinks that. It's so genuine. Like this is such a genuine representation of people who have been abused in the past and and like mannerisms and characteristics that those abusive situations can leave such lasting impacts yeah yeah so he takes her blood he says look it's not so bad right just a little blood 
And she says she feels like a bird whose wings had been clipped and thrown into a filthy, rotting cage. Good descriptors. She's been in a cage all her life, and now she's in a cage on Earth. Only on Earth, she's not trapped in outer space. There could be a way out. There could be freedom. You know, because outside her window on the satellite, you know, she's going to die in outer space. Outside the window at this hotel, there's the whole Earth. Right. All the possibilities. I like that she switched the thinking instead of just deciding this was the end that she's like hold on there's a sliver of a possibility of hope here absolutely because she even says like she's not trapped in a satellite in space there's a way out freedom is just out that window or down those stairs she would not be a prisoner again no don't be a prisoner girl we got you (laughs) does she just want to take her into your arms and be like it'll be okay chris i really do (laughs) like just hold on girl we got you (laughs) (laughs) so the doctor starts the transaction and again chris brilliant she pays attention to his net screen password good girl crescent yeah the little hacker in her be like that's gonna save me some time when i go and hack it up later yep (laughs) and the doctor says That he has more reasons than Gina to keep his transactions hidden from prying eyes. Interesting comment, I feel like. Like, Mm -hmm. what? Everyone should have picked up on that. Like, what are you hiding then? Like, Gina doesn't seem to care, though. No. He does thank Gina in a weird moment of solemnity. (laughs) Thank you for bringing her. I mean, I suppose, like, yes... He, she could have turned her into the authorities. It's better for her to be with the doctor because in theory, we like to think that the doctor is not going to send her back to Luna to be tortured. But we don't know what he's doing with these shells other than getting blood samples. Right. And I mean, the bloody stuff that she saw in the room isn't very appealing. Comforting. Right. Comforting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then Gina says that she hopes he's killing all of these shells. Seriously. She's awful. Like you said, awful. She seriously went from, like, really kind and helpful stranger to this heartless bitch in, like, two seconds. Right. And it makes me curious now, like, how many people she's done this to, you know? And she doesn't seem to have a problem. It's disgusting. Just gross. She's just a very, like, manipulative person i hate it yeah yeah it's like the horror movies that you see that that nice character that turns out to be like the the bad guy at the end you're like that that was her that was that moment for me yeah and it's heartbreaking that moment because we as the reader also trusted gina i don't know i felt suspicious of her the first time i saw her on the book but yeah uh it's just i just i don't know i feel like she was too nice and too i don't know that and i just very suspicious suspicious of strangers for Chris. yeah like well again we've been taught that like when people are kind you have to question why right and i feel bad thinking that way it really shouldn't be like that but like that's my first thought is like why are you being this nice (laughs) what do you want yep (laughs) and not to like I don't want people to think that I'm like one of those people that thinks women should be pinned against each other. But I think bullying has a lot to do with that too, because like 
I definitely had bullies in junior high and high school. And if they were ever even remotely nice to me, it was like, oh, God, why are you being mm-hmm. nice to me? Yeah. What What are you setting me up for? Yeah. And it's that thing, like, just hidden, hidden motivations. Yeah. Hidden motivations. Well said. I like that she notices that the doctor's disdain for Gina is there. It's evident. Yeah, which I was hoping she would pick up on that, like, if he doesn't like Gina, then maybe he's a little bit better, because since she's an awful human. Right? (laughs) So they untie Crest before they leave, and she runs to the wall. And the doctor said that he tries to, like, explain things to her. He's like, okay, this is a little more awkward with shells. It's not so easy to explain. Oh, you mean not too easy to brainwash? I love this character development. Cress a week ago would not have snarled at him. Right? I feel like we're getting hints of like like Cinder and Scarlet. Like she's channeling them. <laughs> right. Yes. I love it so much because like a week ago, remember when she saw Jacin the first time? She wasn't like, How dare you leave me locked in the satellite for years with Sybil and you never tried to rescue me she was like just help me okay right yeah and now she's confronted with a similar situation and instead of being like will you just help me she's like snarling at him <laughs> she's our little crest is growing up she is she's getting her tough girl on I love it <laughs> I understand you're frightened I can't imagine what sort of mistreatment Gina and her hooligans put you through but I'm not going to hurt you. In fact, I'm doing great things here, things that will change the world, and you can help me. What is your name, child? So he's trying to comfort her, but obviously after everything she just went through from Gina, uh, someone being nice to her isn't going to make her trust them. Right. Plus, I feel like he went about it the wrong way. Like, he should have just ended it with, like, hey, you know, I'm not as bad as her. I promise I'm not going to hurt you. Not, we're doing great things, because I feel like that just... The connotation's like, okay, and what exactly are you doing then? And also the part where it's like, and you can help me. And it's like, well, what I what do I have to do with right, all of this? Right, you know? yeah. Like, not his so, best moment. <laughs> it's not his best moment, you know. It's it's not. <laughs> but And I understand that this is, like, a difficult situation. Like, how would, how would you deal with it? I don't mm-hmm. know that... I don't know that I would deal with it any better. I like to think I wouldn't be into trafficking humans. Right. (laughs) You mean you haven't thought of this on a day-to-day basis? (laughs) I really haven't. No. (laughs) So I I don't know how I would react in this situation. (laughs) I hope that I never have to. Because this is one of those things that makes the doctor a little shady. Yep. (laughs) So he asks her her name and she elbows him in the jaw (laughs) opens the door and runs and i am like "Ooh, clap 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 Mm -hmm. i love it she's finally being like you know what no more i'm gonna take this into my own hands and popped him a new one i bet he didn't see that coming nope definitely didn't see that coming i love it (laughs) <laughs> so what was your chapter title for this one so <clears throat> it's it's funny because i looked at yours and as soon as i saw yours it made me think of this song 
because it's by the same, um, not artist, I mean, technically, it's the same singer. Uh, So I went by, uh, I picked Speechless, and it's by Naomi (gasps) Scott from the Aladdin soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and I have to thank you for that because when I saw yours, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that scene of um, Jasmine when they were kind of telling her what to do. And it's like that moment when she finally puts her foot down and it said, no, like I, I'm not, I'm not letting you guys tell me what to do. I'm not going out speechless. You know, that's, that's like, if you look up the lyrics, that's what she's saying. She's like, I'm done having people tell me what to do and I'm going to like stand up for myself and say something. Um, and that's that scene of that movie. And I've, I love the remake. I know mo- people weren't fans of it, but I, I love oh, what I they did. It. Same here. I love what they yeah. did with Jasmine's character. Cause like really in the original one, she's just kind of a side piece. And here I yeah. feel like she actually had some character development and like going through a process and being like, no, like I don't want to be just, you know, someone you can marry off. Like I, I want to do something about this. So that's, that's why I chose that. Yeah. I love that choice too. And I loved the Aladdin. I thought that the boy who played Aladdin wasn't the best singer in the world. Uh, agreed. <laughs> he definitely was a very slow singer in songs that were really fast when we were growing mm-hmm. up. But I thought that Will Smith did amazing. I thought that, uh, I need to look up her name because it just fell out of my head. Uh, Naomi Scott. <laughs> Naomi Scott did amazing too, but mm-hmm. I was talking about the handmaid. Uh, Ness- oh, yes, yes, yes. She did. I always say hilarious. her name wrong, but Nessim Pedrid, I loved her. I loved Naomi Scott. I just thought it was absolutely well done. I loved it. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry. That's how the, that's the way of the world, mm-hmm. but I adored it. I, plus I'm like a Disney freak. Freaking love Disney. So. Right? I love Disney. It's like my husband and I are just like constantly like, what haven't we seen on Disney Plus yet? What did we watch the other day? Wally. Ah, uh, Wally. Oh my so god, I good. love Wally. <laughs> and now so that good. he's Red Cinder, like watching everything with Wally, he's like, this is very Ico. I was like, I know, right? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Because Ico would totally collect trinkets. And- right. I might have to rewatch <laughs> Wally <laughs> now after reading Cinder. I didn't even like. Oh, I love Wally. It's on Disney Plus. <laughs> oh no, I own. Not only do I have Disney Plus, I also own like before Disney Plus was a thing. I, my excuse to like buying all the Blu-rays and stuff was like, whenever I have a child, I want my children to watch all these movies. And yeah. so I bought them all. And now <laughs> Disney Plus came out. I was like, well, that was a crap investment. <laughs> no, it's not. It's perfect. <laughs> you never know when Disney Plus is going to go away or become true. $30 a month. So. True, true. <laughs> Very true. So as you said, my song was also by Naomi Scott. It's from the movie Lemonade Mouth. It's Great called movie. She. I love that movie. My childhood. I need to do a bonus episode on that one too for Patreon. Uh, so. Let me know if you want someone to talk about it because oh, yeah, I, I love, that, love movie. that movie. And when I got together with my boyfriend, I was like, have you ever heard of Lemonade Mouth? And he's like, <laughs> no. And I'm like, okay. So like. Sit down. <laughs> yeah. Like I somehow found it. I think like his friend like found it for us or something like that through like, who knows, I've, <laughs> and uh, internet. right uh, <laughs> legal ways <laughs> and of course uh, 
<laughs> and I made him watch it. And he's like, oh, that's really good. I was like, yes, this is my childhood. Like, I remember watching this movie and being obsessed and wanting to be part of a band, but not being able to do anything. <laughs> like, I can't play drums, couldn't sing, like, you know, but pretending I was <laughs> Same, can't rap. <laughs> right? Can't just, just worthless when it came to band, but I wanted to partake in it. <laughs> can't do, like, dance moves and stuff. <laughs> Uh, so the lyrics to She's So Gone are some of the ones that resonated I think are insecure in her skin like a puppet a girl on a string it fits it fits plus I think that's my favorite song from the movie personally I I think that one is my favorite too that one and um, High Wire yes that one's also very good. Like, let's be I honest, I may or may not have the soundtrack, you know? Oh, I definitely have the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely listened to all the time. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's a really good song. I think it fits her so well in this scene. The girl that you thought you knew, she's so gone. That's so over now. You won't find her around. You can look, but you won't see the girl I used to be. And I feel like that's crest not just right now, but like overall, she's not who she used to be. She even says that herself, like Mm -hmm. Sybil used to keep her locked up. She's not going to let that happen again. Sybil used to torture her and she never fought back. She's not going to let that be her life anymore. Yep. It's, it's fitting. I I do enjoy that song. So, but I like yours too. So I'm really excited (laughs) to see what Patreon members pick. (laughs) (laughs) They got it. Uh, tough choice this week they do sometimes they have really tough choices and it comes down to like i will it'll be so close that i'm like i better check it like while we're recording just to make sure that it's accurate (laughs) (laughs) so what was your chapter quote um so uh, mine was she'd be she'd been in a cage all her life somehow she never expected to find one just as awful on earth who i've I feel like that was the point that she realized that Earth was, I mean, not as bad as being stuck in a satellite by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like she had this perception of Earth being like this wonderful place. And I think she started to realize that it has its bad moments as well. I think she has this, this has idolized Earth as this place yes. of safety freedom her whole life she's thought Mm -hmm. like if she could just get to earth everything would be okay right and since getting to earth it's been less and less true so yeah i completely agree so mine was freedom was just out that window or just down those stairs she would never be a prisoner again i love that she comes to this realization like okay yes i'm trapped but this time i have a way out yeah Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. And now back to the show. So chapter 37 is literally two pages, but (laughs) 
I wanted to do it because one, it's two pages. I think we can handle an extra two pages. And two, <laughs> I needed to be able to talk about Dr. Erlon. Right. <laughs> oh, we're in Dr. Erlon's perspective for, I think, the first time since the first book. It's I been see. a hot minute. Did we? Oh, no, wait. No, no, no. I'm wrong. No, I'm wrong. I'm already wrong. See, I told you I'm not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> we had his perspective a few chapters, chapters ago. ago. So. Yeah. I was like, in Crest, we I got told more. You I, I fell asleep today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good nap. <sighs> so we're in Dr. Airline's perspective. He wakes up on the floor and he can't remember where he is. Is he in the labs at New Beijing Palace? Is he in the labs on Luna? Is he sacrificing cyborgs and looking for Celine? Is he desiring recognition? Yeah. It's, this is a very peculiar, like, senseless moment for him. Yeah. And when he said that, like, the sacrificing cyborgs, like, that still sounds really callous of him. Like, how he casually just mentions that. Yeah, I, I know that when we did the episode with – when I was on the episode with you and your boyfriend and his sister, we all kind of were like mm-hmm. – I, I feel bad that we ganged up on your boyfriend because we were the only no. ones that did not forgive Dr. Erlon for genocide. <laughs> no, he's used to it. <laughs> I, it. You know, it's nice to have those different perspectives, but <laughs> – He was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> find out his real name is Sage Darnell, not Demetri Erlon from the Eastern Commonwealth, Sage Darnell of Luna. What I feel like both names fit him though. Right? Yeah, I really do. Like sometimes like I'm like, "Oh, that name doesn't fit." I'm like, "I can see him being both." It's interesting to think about like the different names that people go by because I know growing up my grandmother was just Jean. It was Grandma Jean. Mhm. It wasn't until I was older that I found out her name is Elizabeth Jean. Oh. That when she was a kid, she went by Betty. When she was in her early 20s, she went by Lizzie. Wow. Her her first husband called her Eliza. And at some point, she started going by Jean. And I'm just like, oh, my God. My grandmother's had, like, 10 different names. All right. <laughs> She's been 10 different people in her lifetime. Right? There's not a lot of nicknames for Bethany, Okay. <laughs> yeah, with Barbara, it's like Barb, which makes me sound like a forty-year-old cat lady, or like Barbie. Yep, and I'm not, sorry, right? And I'm not <laughs> Barb. Barb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like it makes me sound old, and that I have multiple cats, or Barbie, which is blonde, and I'm I don't look like a Barbie, so it's kind of like okay, well, I guess Barbara it is. I'm trying to think of like what a, a different nickname we could go for. Like my name is Bethany and most people, the nickname is Beth. Right. But I do, there are people who call me Annie. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of like a unique version for you. Ara maybe. Yeah. I don't know if you can come up with one. I'm, I'm uh, all ears. I mean, I would be okay to call you Ara just because it's so not Barbara that I feel like it would be, <laughs> everybody would just be like, what did you call her? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, my mom in Portuguese just calls me, like, ba, but, like, here, like, that's, I feel like people might have trouble with that and be like, what? Why are you saying ba? So. My sisters and I all have three-letter nicknames that start with B. So it's, (laughs) 
<laughs> I know it's weird. It's it's Brie B. I'm B. Uh-huh. Bug and Boo. That's cute. Don't know how it started. Don't know why it started. But it's definitely still a thing, even though we're all grown ass people. Right. See, my sister is also a B name, and so I call her B. And then my friend. <clears throat> growing up childhood friend she's like well if your sister's b and you've got two b's in your name so we'll call you double b and i'm like eh, that kind of sounds weird <laughs> why wouldn't we call you bb <laughs> oh there we go yeah right we'll call oh. you bb um what's your middle name i don't have one. Oh. Mm-hmm. my mom broke brazilian tradition and decided she didn't want her children to have like Super long ass names. So, <laughs> so you don't get a middle name. Nope. That's like that one thing. I was like, really, mom, of all the traditions you decided to skip, this is the one that you decided to skip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally Googling cute nicknames for Barbara right now. I just, Babs. I got. I that also kind of makes you sound like an old lady. I know. Um, <laughs> I used to go by that when I was younger because of, um, oh, Space Jam. Like, Babs. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh-huh. And so I was like, well, that's cute. I like Babs. Like, it, you know, but then come to find out later in life, like, that also was a nickname for older ladies. So I'm like, well, yeah. never mind. <laughs> what about um, Bobby. Huh, I haven't thought of that one. I don't. I know. I wouldn't have thought of that, but it's coming uh, up on this list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm literally like googling creative nicknames for Bobby <laughs> for Barbara. Yeah, um, they're gonna come out short. There's not that many. I feel like if anybody thinks of any, you let us know. <laughs> We're gonna think of some. a lot of what's popping up is Babs. Oh, BB came up. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We'll think of something. Baba, that that just makes me think of like a dad. We're not going to call you Baba. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Arbora. So it's just your name without the B. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's so short. <laughs> Queen B. Uh, that makes me think of Beyonce. I do I not know. <laughs> But I do want to be like Beyonce. I, as do I, but I don't, I'm not nowhere near that level. I would be ashamed to use that. Moving on to Sagey, Sage Darnell. <laughs> so he's laying in the ground and he thinks about what his wife looked like. Heart-shaped face. And he recalls of his four-day-old baby shell Mm -hmm. and how his wife had given her to Sybil in disgust and how that was the last time he'd seen his crescent moon. Ugh. That – when I read that about how she gave her up like that because she was so disgusted, that just – once again, my heart just goes out to both him and Cress. Yeah. I – I talked about this a long time ago when we first found out that he lost his daughter, that how um, unusual it was that the father developed such a strong bond with the baby mm-hmm. more so than the mother. 
Um, not that men can't, de- Ashley and I have this conversation. Of course, men can develop a relationship with their babies, especially before they're born. But typically speaking, mothers have that bond from having the baby in the womb for nine months and going through childbirth. Right. And men develop that bond later on after the baby is actually born and they can touch it and feel it and become a part of it. And so it's always been interesting to me how quickly the mother in this situation was um, careless with her child and heartless Mm -hmm. and how it seems to be the biggest regret of his life. Yeah. It's like, even as hallucinations are there to torture him. Yeah. I also put a, on my notes, like LOL at the unfortunate height from him comment that yeah. he was like she also inherited my unfortunate height <laughs> <laughs> poor thing <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah because he says the shell girl couldn't be his daughter haunting him and I wrote in my notes oh but it could be because that would be a hell of a plot twist from Marissa <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I feel like this was heavily shadowed in Cinder because when I was rereading mm-hmm. Cinder and I had had just finished reading Cress and I was rereading Cinder for our podcast. I was like, oh my gosh, it's right there. It literally is right there. Like, she wrote it right there. <laughs> and I didn't pick it up. Beginning. I mean, this is one of the things I love about Easter eggs. Because this is a huge Easter egg. Um, but there was a lot of Easter eggs that had to do with Dr. Erlon revealing that this was his daughter. And some of them <laughs> were kind of obvious, you know. Um, and some of them were really, really just... Uh, you know, you don't know until you know. Right. Subtle. That's She's they, good at they, that. So this, there's a lot of uh, eggs hatches here from Dr. Erland revealing that this is his, this is his daughter. He's done so many horrible things in his life. Um, so let's talk about some of the horrible things he's done. <laughs> he helped develop the wolf hybrid lunar soldiers. Okay. Wolf. That was his job on Luna. That was something he did. Yep. I feel like it's like full circle. Right? He admits to, he actually uses the word murder, which I appreciate. All those he'd murdered on his search for Celine. Yep. Because that is what he did. Yeah. Don't put a shiny picture to it. That's what she did. You killed people to try and find someone else. Yep. He says he'll never be able to pay to repay those debts. That's why he's trying so hard to duplicate Lavana's antidote, which requires more sacrifices, more blood samples, more experiments. Only now he doesn't have the volunteers. Yep. But he knows that the shells hold the antidote secret. And it's it's kind of nice to know that he does feel bad and he is trying to atone for all of his past misdoings. But I feel like He's doing that with more, like you said, sacrifices, blood samples, experiments, like still the same way he went about it it's, last time. Yeah, it's still like the ends justify the means kind mm-hmm. of mentality. Yep, like you mentioned on our podcast. I did. He reveals that there's the the shells can fight off the disease. They have something in their genetic mut- mutation that prevents them from being manipulated by the lunar gift or possessing the lunar gift also helps them fight off the disease somehow. And um, now he's using shells as he had used others in the past. 
this there's so much revealed in this little chapter here. Mm-hmm. It's two pages, you guys. <laughs> I know it's like a dump of information, and I like gobbled it up. <laughs> it is like a dump of information. <laughs> He says that his solutions would return to him the only thing he had ever cared for and twist his reality to make her just another one of his victims. Yeah. This whole thing just breaks my heart. Like as much as I, as much as, as complicated a character as Dr. Erland is, I do feel genuinely there's some genuine sympathy for him mm-hmm. here in this moment with what he's going through. Right. So he pulls up her blood sample on his port spring, port spring, port screen. I can't <laughs> use words. Um, he can't lose her again. He's he's terrified that it's true. He's terrified that it's not true. He looks outside and sees the ship, and he has to get it done before Cinder gets back because she wouldn't understand about all the test subjects. <laughs> no. No, she wouldn't. I feel like any normal person wouldn't, so... <laughs> like She wouldn't be a very good future queen if she did. Right. So, he looks at all the data from the blood samples. Yes, she's a shell and she's lunar. There's a list of her physical characteristics, her diseases and and weaknesses. And he links his chart with hers. And it's her. It's his daughter that he thought been killed years ago. His crescent moon was alive. Oh, my God. I know. I'm, like, like, tearing up. There's a lot, a lot to digest in this chapter. Like, just a lot. I can't even imagine the plight that he's going through right now. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's. I'm glad that we got this chapter just to know a little bit about what he was going through. And I wish we had a little bit more, like, after the fact. Yeah, it's... It's difficult. I wish I wish we had more of this from his perspective. But it's good that we at least got something from his perspective. We got this information from his perspective. Now we have reader privilege and she mm-hmm. still doesn't. She still doesn't know. I know. It's at this moment that I screamed at my book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what was your chapter title for 37? Uh, this one was hard for me. I could not, for the life of me, think of anything. So I may or may not have, like, Googled, like, father-daughter Same. songs and stuff. And a lot of them was, like, best father-daughter dances. I'm like, this, that's yes. not fitting. Like, that's, or, like, father-daughter, like, um, uh, like, positive songs. Yes. I'm like, this is not a, like, no. it wasn't, like, fitting chapter. So really, I feel like mine's not that great. Because it's, like... I also wanted to choose a song that I knew and not like there was like a bunch of country songs and I don't know that many of them. So I was like, I don't really know any of these. So I went with Sweet Child O' Mine by Guns N' Roses and just some of the lyrics and stuff like that, which is funny because I I knew this song, but I never actually paid attention to the lyrics until like just when I Googled this. So that's honestly, I'm not proud of this one. I just could not find (laughs) 
a, a super fitting one for this one. So I struggle bust on that. Well, we can still talk about some of the lyrics that might resonate well, you know. Um, she's got eyes of the bluest sky. Yes, that's that's the one because I was like, oh, that kind of fits, you know, like Cress is, you know. <clears throat> and then like the whole, she takes me away to that special place. And if I stare too long, I'd probably break down and cry. Like I just pictured him like when he was saying like his four day old baby and how that she was still the most important thing to him, even though he'd only known her for those four days and how thinking about it now just kind of like broke him. Yeah. I also just Googled the lyrics cause I wasn't entirely sure like specific ones and like 60% of the song is where do we go? Oh, sweet child of mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's just like over and over and over and over again. And that's the only lyrics I remember from the song until I, I know. Googled I was it. Like, I was like, what are the words to this song that could fit? And then I saw Bluest Sky's Eyes and I was like, well, that works. Yep. <laughs> so I did a similar thing. I tried desperately to find a song that would work. The only thing I found is a song called Long Lost Child by Mindy Gledhill which is about a child that goes missing. So Fitting. obviously it doesn't <laughs> perfectly fit, but I was struggling to find a good one for this. And yeah. I think if nothing else, the name works. Right. Yeah. Like this one was a hard one. <laughs> this was a hard one for sure. And some of them really are hard. I, I will spend hours just like trying to find songs. Mm-hmm. And then I'll think of one like three weeks later, I'll hear something on the radio and I'm like, oh, that would have been cool six months ago. Cool. <laughs> and that's, cool, cool, that's cool, how cool. life works. <laughs> exactly. So what was your chapter quote? So mine was... Of course, his insanity would reach such a depth that the hallucinations would return to him the only thing that he had ever cared for, and they would twist reality so that she became just another one of his victims. Like, gut punch. Oh, yeah. Like, ugh. Because he's thinking about all the bad stuff that he did, and so he's like, of course, my hallucination would, like, torture me this way. Yeah, this was a really gut-wrenching chapter mm-hmm. yeah so my quote was just that last line i feel like there's so much power in those five words his crescent moon was alive yeah and that's it kids we will wait until next <laughs> week to see what happens <laughs> and that's when you just want to keep reading and be like okay is it cress's cha- chance like point of view again so we can read more and just hopefully they have this lovey-dovey reunion (laughs) this is like one of those moments where you're like okay i hope that she didn't randomly go back to scarlet's perspective (laughs) like i want to know what's happening with scarlet but right now i'm invested okay (laughs) exactly exactly and that's how she hooks you that's how she hooks you exactly exactly that's why she's such an amazing writer and we love her so much (laughs) and i'm still jealous you got to talk to her (laughs) i hope i get to do it again someday (laughs) i really do that would be so wonderful So this week there were three Easter eggs and the bonus word hair popped up once. Next week we're going to cover chapters 38 and 39. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe and fill out the listener survey for a chance to win a personalized thank you card from me with Prince Kai Cam pod stickers and bookmarks. Barbara, where can people find you? Where can they find Badass Literature Podcast? 
Yeah, so pretty much anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, we are there. And just search for Badass Literature Society. Um, and then Instagram, our handle is at Badass Lit Pod. And then I believe you can also find us on Facebook as well. So, yay. Thank you so much for being here. I love getting to record with you. Of course. I, I love doing this. Like, I love learning from you. I feel like you're like my mentor when it comes to this. I learned like so much yeah. reading over your notes and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely have, I could definitely tell which Patreon members read the notes. Cause I'll get like, as soon as I post them on Patreon within like an hour, I'll get messages of like, yes. <laughs> so everyone, please keep reading, please keep listening. And until next time, don't get glamored. Don't oh wait, when glamored. does this come out? This comes out December 21st, so everyone have a wonderful holiday, whether it's Yule or Christmas or Hanukkah or or Kwanzaa or (laughs) there's a lot of them. I'm really sorry that I don't know all of them, but I do hope that you have a wonderful holiday. Yes. (laughs) And stay safe. Um, And remember to tune in on Christmas Day for a special bonus episode from me. Yay. So please keep listening, keep reading, and don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. Oh, well, don't get glamored. <laughs> Bye. The passages read for you today are from Crest by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Barbara from Badass Literature Podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. <laughs>